Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, welcome to the afternoon here on AusBiz, Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company. You've tuned in to the call. 10 stocks, which you suggest where you have a look at. I put them to an expert panel for some guidance. I throw in a stock of the day. We do all that in 60 minutes. Incredibly informative. Also great fun. Let's welcome the team today. Uh, Mark Morland from Team Invest is uh, online today. Mark, how are you, sir? Excellent, thank you. How are you, Koshi? Good, very good. And Michael Gable from uh, Fairmont Equities has joined us live here in our Brangaroo studios. Michael, welcome. Thank good you. Good to you. Good to be back. Um, are you coping with the, the flood of earnings results at um, the moment? So far, I think in some ways it's tricky because the broader market is just so dodgy for want of a better word at the moment yeah. I mean it seems like it's, it's staring, fragile, staring over the edge of a cliff so um, whilst it's it's great to um, you know see what I guess lies ahead in terms of earnings and and see what's coming in um, yeah. you know great results from BHP CBA etc yeah. we've got a, a bit of a bit of an interesting uh, market background so in some ways that gives us time to you know analyze the the results uh, I mean we don't have this huge rising market behind us where we feel as though if we don't buy something now we're going to miss yeah, out no, so, that's a point. so it is a positive <laughs> it's a silver lining to all the volatility exactly right well some interesting stocks speaking of that um today this first half hour we're going to take a look at computer share fisher and Paykel uh, healthcare katmandu uh, Weebit Nano and event hospitality and entertainment uh, a really good mixture of uh, stocks in the first half there and some great questions from you as well. We love that. Um, stock of the day, I thought we'd take a look at Seek, the uh, online labour recruitment platform, hiking full-year earnings guidance after more than doubling first-half profits. Thanks to a surge in sales revenue on the back of a recovery in the jobs market, uh, which was hit hard by the COVID pandemic. Uh, company also reinstated its dividend, 23 cents a share declared. Market liking the news, earlier touching a nine-month high, currently uh, sitting up uh, just over 8%. It's cracked $30 again, heading into the afternoon session. Uh, Mark Morland um, from Team Invest, what did you think of uh, Seek's update and uh, oh. Seek around that, that $30 area? It was only... Sort of a couple of years ago, the short sellers sort of slammed into Seek and they were sort of questioning their China operation. Um, it's had a good solid bounce, has it? It has, but it, it needed it, uh, Koshi. I mean, if you yeah. look at the earnings over the last few years, they sort of peaked out at about um, 65 cents per share in 2017. Then it was 62 and 18. 50 cents in 19, 27 cents in 20, and then negative $1.48 in 21. So there's been a continual slide there of earnings, but at the same time, their sales have been going up, you know, which not a lot, but they've been, they're sort of keeping up with inflation, but earnings have been going down. So they've clearly had a very bad coronavirus in, in 21, because um, that loss is the equivalent of about five, six years of the, what the 2020 profit was. So unfortunately, though, the share price has gone back to, uh, as you said, to um, $30 today, which is sort of close to all-time highs. I mean, the trailing 12 months was an all-time high at $36.09, uh, but they've had earnings have been sliding. So even though the earnings have gone up uh, for the half, it's off, of, off a much lower base now as right. well. So I think it's way overpriced for uh, what their earnings are at the moment. And, and, and because they were already declining, and I think a lot of that was to do with the overseas operations because Seek was a, a fabulous wealth winner for Team Invest back, going back about up until about five years ago. We sort of lot, haven't really been that interested in it since then. There's a few members who have kept the belief and so on, but 
it has happens with a lot of companies in Australia, once they become the dominant player, which Seek is, um, they then have to go overseas. And when they go right. overseas, they have to make acquisitions typically, and they usually have to pay big dollars for them because they're in a sexy area, and usually they're not making any money. So then it becomes a drag on their earnings in Australia. So it's a hard act to get right. And they may well get it right, uh, but at the moment, uh, I would be, I personally wouldn't be interested in it at the current price because we're showing fairly, fairly big negative return at the moment, even with uh, on the announcement if you paid the thirty dollars for it. Okay, Michael. Um, yeah, look, I, I pretty much agree with with Mark on this one. I mean, it um, it had been struggling up until this this result. It's coming off a low base. Yep. Um, the initial reaction of the market is is quite positive because a lot of the analysts were expecting some sort of uh, you know result like this or an upgrade to earnings it looks like it's a little bit better than what what was expected but yep. i think even up at these levels you know above thirty dollars it's a it's been as high as about thirty six recently you know to me it looks like it might want to pop up towards potentially sort of thirty two thirty three might want to get back up there but i'd just be wary that we might we might then see um, some profit taking coming in um, right. based on based on valuation and and just the the volatility of the stock um, you know coming back to, to how it's been trading on the chart um, I think it might they might encounter some headwinds so obviously yeah we're, we're expecting in some respects this type of result um, but I just wonder you know where will they be in a year from now once mm. everyone's done their, their you know <laughs> job movements and churning and that's all happened um, yeah. and the structural issues with seek uh, you know, come to the fore again. Okay. All right. So not for you either. Let's get into uh, the stocks that you've asked us to have a look at. Becca wants to view Michael on Computer Share, the uh, the big registry business in in shares, but also uh, business services and property. Yeah, this one's been having a, a good run over the past year. Um, Computer Share, like QBE, is one of those businesses which would benefit from. An increase in rates, but right. like most things in the market, um, you know the share price moves before you see those interest rate rises. So uh, they reported, uh, I think it was last week, and we could, you know, computer share is one of those businesses where a one percent increase in interest rates leads to about one hundred twenty million dollars extra earnings in U.S. dollars. So, wow. so there's a translation there, but I think up at these levels, it's already started to get get factor in. I mean. The share price popped last week because they, you know, they did increase their earnings growth. I think it was three point seven percent to about thirteen point one. So there's a bit of good news, but it's already coming off the back of a bit of a run here. So right. for me, it's a, it's a hold. I like stocks mm. that display this type of momentum, um, but I think it's a bit stretched. Right. So I couldn't be buying it at these levels. May have missed the boat on yeah. this one. Um, Mark, what do you think of computer share? Um, it's pretty mediocre, actually, because looking at looking at the last ten years, their their, their growth rates averaged two point one percent a year, their EPS growth, and sales have grown by about three percent. So you could argue that's no better than inflation. So it's barely it hasn't grown at all, really. Um, so that's okay because it's been very reliable. So it's quite stable, uh, a bit like ASX is. But having said that, you then got to pay a realistic price for it, and it's currently on a PE trailing PE of twenty nine times earnings. And 29 as a PE is very high for a growth rate, even with their their bump they've had now, where it's gone over three percent. It's still very, very high, very, very high price, because that effectively means on the current earnings, it takes you 29 years to get your, your capital back. So um, I would say that computer share to justify 29 should have at least 10, 12 percent EPS growth rate. And as Michael said, if interest rates go up, perhaps that'll be good. But that's all you don't know. It's all outside our um, uh, our ability to influence or even forecast. You know, it's, it's a speculation to assume that they're going to make a lot more money and therefore you'll do well. All I can do is look at the performance of it and say, well, is it, going to, if it's li is it likely to continue? I'd say yes, it's likely to continue at the same level. Um, but on a PE basis, we're showing it on, uh, if you look at their range, remember we have a fee agreed indicator, yes. which is bottom quartile. Yep. Yep. PE range, middle 50, and then top quarter for the individual company. At the moment, it's at the very, very top of the red. Yeah, so it's on, okay. a, on a PE at the okay. moment of 29.1. So even for computer share itself, that's a very high PE. So I definitely wouldn't be buying it now, even if you like, if you liked it. So it needs to go down to uh, a 19.5 PE to get into the bottom quarter, which is $15.48. That's a long way away from where it is at the moment. 
Sure is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's nothing that, wrong with this. Good company, good company, just way, way too expensive. Just way, way overpriced. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, Mark. Uh, Rob is one of your many fans. Um, he wants a view on, on Fisher and Paykel, uh Healthcare Group. Um, he said he's a very cautious investor, uh, but followed your bully, bullish comments on mineral resources uh, last year and took the plunge. Bought at $45 and has been very pleased um, as a result of it. Now he wants to pick your brains on Fisher and Paykel because you had this as your stock to buy in a crash. And he's saying, with the market looking wobbly at the moment, um, what do you think of Fisher and Paykel healthcare shares? Since its PE is still pretty high at around 33, is it still too expensive at the moment? Okay, now Fisher and Paykel is a clear-cut wealth winner from Team Invest's perspective. Yep. So we really like this company. We, we know it very well, and we've been in, a lot of members have been invested in it for many years. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them, uh, <laughs> for no other reason that I just never have bought it, but I'm actually seriously considering buying it at the moment. Oh. Um, now, if you, the, the things to consider, and the reason I said at the time that Fisher & Parkell was a, a good company to own if we have a market route, is the same reason, same thing you'd say about CSL. They're both global businesses. They're, uh, uh, they're both uh, very, very well run. Fisher & Paykel, I would argue, uh, is, um, which is based in New Zealand, but they've got manufacturing operations in Mexico and so on as well, is more, I would say it's more conservative, but it has uh, virtually no debt, whereas uh, CS still, still has some, not that that's a problem for CSL. Um, but both of those companies aren't cyclic at all. And then if we have some sort of economic crash, so let's say we go into a major recession, it's not going to change uh, people needing to buy their consumables for their CPAP machines and or getting blood plasma and so on. None of that will change. So their earnings are pretty well guaranteed, I would argue, and they're both mark global market leaders. So I think Fisher & Pike was looking really good. We're showing it returning 29% per year on the, over the next five years on our default metrics and 10% per year on a margin of safety. Anytime we can get 10% plus on a margin of safety on Conscious Investor, which is our analytics tool, uh, it's a really good thing. Right. <laughs> so on a quality okay. company, that's very right. cheap for them. The PE is on 30, it's on 31 trailing. Uh, that's in the bottom quartile, by the way. So yeah. uh, Fisher & Parker always had a, um, has, had a uh, has had higher PEs. Uh, the red is over 40, 44. Right. Um, so it's on Fisher & Parker, it's what we call a triple green, which is all good. The only thing to consider though, is that Fisher & Paykel, uh, their earnings per share growth has averaged 25% per year over the last six years with high stability, which is excellent. Um, but they had a big bump uh, last year uh, through Corona. So their earnings jumped up by about 35, 40% last year. The right. question is, will that be maintained? Because if it comes back a bit, um, then obviously the PE would go up. But look, I think anytime you can buy a global market leading uh, company in a defensive area like this, where you're showing a margin of safety return of over 10% a year, it's cheap. Okay. So it's a, it's a, okay. buy, it's a buy from my point of view. Okay. Would you say, I'm, I noticed CSL, which is another one of your favourites, um, mm -hmm. guaranteed wealth winner, down at 241 yeah. today. It's a, I, think, I think CSL's a uh, screaming bargain at the moment, actually. Right. And okay. the last CSL I bought was at 303. So uh, I was too soon. And is it really down that low? I'm going to buy some more. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. So CSL, just by the way, the return on CSL is 21 on default and 6.5 on safety at right. the moment on our numbers, but still yeah. outstanding. Yeah, both, CSL currently trade here two, $2.42.24. Uh, no, it'd be $242.24. Oh, $242.24. Yeah. yeah, if it was $2, I would, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. get up to We'd be in. <laughs> but $200. I'd my grandchildren. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... But you'd say the same thing about CSL at the moment. Yes, yes, yep. yeah. And I, I rate them equally. Right. And by the way, Cochlear I would put in there as well. But the difference with Cochlear is Cochlear is on a much, much higher PE. Right. And it's nowhere, so it's not even near as good value. It's a great company. Right. I put in the same right. league with those two. But Cochlear we're showing, just to give you a comparison while we're on it, is 0.5% uh, per year right. return. And that's, that, and that's because the PE uh, is 53. Okay. Well, and, their earnings growth, and their earnings growth uh, is, uh, is a bit flat okay. at the moment. Saying we've done three of them, you might as well do the fourth in ResMed. Is that the same quality? 
Uh, or not. <laughs> uh, ResMed, uh, let's have a quick look. Uh, things have been moving around so much lately, you've got to, yeah. to relook at them. Uh, now, ResMed's showing about 1.5, and that's at the top of the red of its PE. Right. Okay. So ResMed's on okay. 68 PE. So, okay, there you go. Comparing ResMed, which I think is a fair comparison with Fisher yeah. & Parker, or ResMed yeah. has more, there's 70% consumer, 30% hospital, and Fisher & Parker was the other way around. Yep. So it's like 70% hospital, 30% consumer. Uh, Fisher & Parker was on about half the price. Right. For ResMed, against okay. ResMed, and that's ResMed's a, growth rate's 9.5. So how, how do you work that out? Interesting comparison, is that? Yeah, um, yeah. So to me, Fisher & Parker, you know, leaves it for dead. Yeah. Uh, Michael, what do you think of Fisher mm. & Parker? Yeah, look, I like the business. I mean, I I put it in the same bucket as, as ResMed and, and yeah. CSL. I mean, I... Aren't we lucky, though, to have such great global healthcare yeah. companies as that group? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, that's a great choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've in the last couple of years, ResMed, in terms of share price, has done a lot better than Fisher and Paykel. So, in terms of yeah. you know what you put in and what you've got out over the last couple of years, um, we've done better with ResMed. But I'm out of ResMed now. I don't hold Fisher and Paykel. I mean, all these businesses, I've, I've got them on my watch list as possible yeah. ones to re-enter again. I like to make sure that I'm in something as it's trending up. I mean, at the moment, Fisher and Paykel's come back from about 34 to. Yep. 25 so you know if it can i mean if it continues on this path then yeah we'll end up with um i think some fairly cheap levels over the next few months while the market does its thing while it's worried about rates right. and and, yep. and all of that so yeah look nothing wrong with the business mark's already covered it um i'd just be looking for for an entry point at some point okay um, in the next few months so where where do you look 25 bucks at the moment yeah look i mean it could it could head to the lower 20s. I mean, it's impossible to know. But essentially, since that um, bump that it had uh, just after COVID in the middle of 2020, yeah. it has been sliding back. I mean, big swings along the way, but yeah. it has been sliding back. So I'd be happy to wait for that to, hmm. to finish because it's not as though you're sitting in there getting a huge right. dividend along the way. So right. I'd rather just be patient. If you're in it, would you hold it? Um, Probably not because it's in a right. bit of a downtrend. Okay. I'd be pretty brutal. I'd, I'd rather just because you know the market does stupid things. It may well yeah. drag it all the way down to twenty dollars because yeah. you know it has a little tantrum over over rates and then you can get back in cheaper. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Um, Nate wants a view, Michael, on Kathmandu, the mm -hmm. uh, the big outdoor um, gear retailer, uh, one hundred and sixty five stores across Australia and New Zealand. Uh, what do you think of Kathmandu? Well, this is like our joke before the show, David. You know, <laughs> supply chain issues, yep. cost pressures. Everyone's using that as an excuse. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, there's been a few businesses that have um, uh, provided results recently. JB Hi-Fi, Kathmandu. Um, you know, obviously, there's there's this theme of uh, the supply chain issues. It'll get resolved eventually, but it is a bit of a minefield at the moment. I mean, how will it affect Kathmandu in a few months from now if it continues on like this? Um, you know, margin pressures may start to increase again. Uh, it, it's starting to, well, it's gotten to a downtrend over the last few months. So it's one of those yeah. businesses, I think, that it might be getting close to OK value, but with a few question marks um, over the next few months, uh, I just think probably the risks are a little bit too too great yep. on this one. Yep. Um, Mark, what do you think of Kathmandu? Uh, well, I used to think it, it looked quite uh, prospective. You know, up until 2019, it was growing nicely. And they made a couple of acquisitions that uh, they bought MacPac and uh, a couple of other things. And, you know, that after they got through their management uh, ownership tussles and so on, it was looking like it was going to be okay. But the thing is with retail, retail has been spectacular. And clearly Kathmandu has not had a good COVID. Um, whereas if you look at quite a few of the other retailers, like you just mentioned JB Hi-Fi as, as an example of one, yep. they've had a, a spectacular COVID and so have AX1, Accent Group, Nick Scarly, uh, have all had really good, like a, a record profits and so on, whereas Kathmandu's gone the other way. So it's dropped right down. So we're actually showing it returning and having a negative return going forward of minus 7% a year. So I wouldn't touch it because it, it may come back and I'm sure it will. And you know, they've got all the, um, as you said, all the COVID challenges on um, their stock and foot traffic in shopping. So there's all that. I mean, they've got plenty of excuses, but I just point out how many of the other good retailers have actually mm. prospered during uh, COVID. So that's not encouraging and it's not exactly cheap at the moment. It's on a, 
It's on a PE of uh, 16 uh, compared to JV Hyper. Now, that's with earnings growth of negative nine at the moment because of the big fall they've had. And if you compare that just with JV Hi-Fi, JV Hi-Fi at the moment is um, has a growth rate, earnings growth I'm talking about, of 20% with 90% right. stability, which is, you know, which is really quite spectacular. And sales have been growing at 13% over the last six years. That's the last six years with 96% stability. And we're showing JB Hi-Fi returning 25% a year at the current price, and mm. it's on a PE of 11. Yeah. So see what I mean? You know, so yes. what you're doing with Katmandu is you're actually saying, are they going to come back and therefore I'll do well? But I'm actually already paying quite a high entry point. It's not like yeah. they've been beaten down and it's on a PE of 5 or something. It's Even though the earnings have come off, they're still on quite a high PE for that, and they have to get a lot better before you'll be looking good. I, I would yeah. just buy JB Hi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... You know, we have really good retailers here in yeah. Australia, but as Michael was saying earlier, the economy and the market, the outlook is is so clouded at the moment that you you can afford just to go with the with the sector leaders, can't you? Um, well, the the you, ones you, that are dragging the chain are much higher risk now. That's right, and I think the the really important point with retail in Australia is the P ratios are actually what they were before we had uh, zero interest rates. You know, so right. uh, JB Hi-Fi is on 12 times earnings. And if I go back 10 years ago, that was about what it was on. Yeah. So there's, you're not actually paying a higher P ratio because you're not getting anything for cash hmm. uh, with a lot of other companies you are. So with the, with the good retailers, you're actually getting very consistent high growth and on a low PE, which means your returns are enormous and they're also paying good dividends as well. So yep. I think retail is still a very good place to be. And even if things are a bit cloudy, it doesn't matter because these guys are the best operators yep. and they, they've, they've seemed to negotiate whatever happens and come out of it looking good. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Mark Clancy wants a view on Webit Nano. They're a tech business, but um, in the um, uh, doing data storage in a new way, a supercharged, if you like, um, uh, data storage technology uh, that's cheaper and faster and more reliable uh, in the semiconductor market. Who would have thought a little Australian company could be in the semiconductor market? This one is in the leading edge. What do you think? Uh, well, they may be a theoretically leading edge player and they may have, I don't know whether they've got patents and so on, because I'd never heard of it until it came up on the list <laughs> this yeah. morning and I had a look at it. Uh, it's actually got a 10-year history, and over those 10 years, it's, had, it's, it's increased its shares outstanding from 3.3 million to 123 million wow. uh, over, the, over the 10 years, and it's never made a profit. So it's losing, um, well, at the moment it lost uh, 10 cents. Uh, last year, sorry, last year it lost $11 million on, <clears throat> um, of shareholders' funds. So this has been losing money for 10 years, and if you look at sales, there isn't any, so they they, don't, they haven't sold anything. So there's they, they had, there was some little bit of sales income back in 2012, because that's as far back as my uh, graphs go. Um, so they don't they don't they don't sell anything. So to me, this is an it's like a story stock. Now whether obviously they may have a sexy story, but they have had 10 years and they haven't they don't seem to have sold a widget yet or sold a license or anything because there's no sales revenue. Right. So okay. I don't know how you how you could possibly evaluate it other than to say that the share price is also currently $3.30 yesterday, which is right up near the all-time high of $4.26. And before that, it was $0.50. Cents. It's been all over the shop, but never that high. Well, sorry, it was back at $9 in 2012 and $7 in 2013. So I mean, if you've held it all that period, it's been a painful process. But there's nothing there as a basis that I could give any, any advice on whether it's, a, whether it's anything. Yep. It seems yeah. like they just keep issuing more shares to pay their ongoing expenses. That's what it looks okay. like. Uh, Michael, we bit Nana. Mm, it's not one I was familiar with. I just had to have a look at it as well um, uh, as Mark did. But but he but he referred to it as a story stock, which yeah, I guess you know sums it up. And you know there are a lot of these sorts of businesses out there, and that's I guess that's okay if you understand the risk. So you have got a business out there. It's it's running a story, it's not making money yet, they're developing yep. something. So they're all similar, you've got to understand the risks, they all have similar risks. They're going to continue raising money because they're just burning money while they develop their yep. product. Um, there might be another competitor that comes in that um, you know, basically steals, steals their thunder in this case. It looks like 
potentially 4DS, which is another listed company uh, on the ASX, yep. seems to be their closest competitor. I don't know, I don't know enough about 4DS, but um, so you know they might raise more money. There's other competitors out there. When they do get to commercialisation, there might be some speed bumps along the way. So you know, once they get past that stage and then they start selling a product and making money, then it starts to come into the universe of stocks that I guess a lot of us yeah. look at and we could try to assess it properly. Sort of the, but the, the story's got to go at some stage from fiction to non-fiction, does it? That's, 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 that's right. And, <laughs> and of facts. course, by the time it gets to, um, to fiction, you know, instead of trading at $3, it might be $30. Yeah. Um, but at least we know that, that it's, it's $30 it's with upside potential as opposed to $3, it might end up being zero. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just look at uh, uh, Mesoblast, that, yep. you know, that, that business that's been forever promising something that's just you know, never delivered. So yeah. I think with one of these sorts of businesses, yeah, the risk is that most of them end up not doing anything. Yep. Um, how do you find out the ones that, that do sort of turn into fiction? I guess that's sort of out of the realms of what I'm good at. But I think, you know, our viewer, as long as they understand the, all these sorts mm. of risks and therefore you just position size appropriately, you know, you, you put a very, very small part of your portfolio in this and, um, and, and, and off you go. And, okay. and look, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's, it has been trending quite well over the last year. So I think you've at least got that tied, I think, you know, as a speculative um, okay. business. To me, it looks okay. So it if you're in okay. it, hold it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Michael Tash wants a view on event hospitality and entertainment. The uh, uh, the big cinema chain, they own the, the State Theatre um, in Sydney. They own resorts, um, Threadbow Resort, for example, mm. um, and, and tourist destinations, obviously, of that sector. Uh, everything that could go wrong in lockdowns and pandemic, they're at the, the yeah. front of it. Um, are they set for a rebound? Well, it's it's one of those um, yeah, it's one of those sectors where very generally you could say, okay, there's been those tough times. Yep. The tough times should get better, and there should be good times ahead. So, if you position early enough, you'd be ready for that upswing. Um, it's a fourteen dollars stock. If we go back to the end of twenty twenty, um, it was seven or eight dollars. So I think your opportunity was back when it was seven or eight dollars mm. and there was still a lot of uncertainty and I know there's still uncertainty ahead in terms of you know we've had yeah. Omicron there'll be some other Greek letter that'll that'll <laughs> you know, screw us around again but yeah. I think up here at fourteen dollars it's already factoring in that path that we're taking so I don't see yeah up here I just think it's probably already yeah the the upside yeah. risks are um, too high yeah too high so yeah I, look at I, that it's back above pre-pandemic now, is it? The big fall of uh, yeah. that March 2020 drop. Um, it's a bit above that at the moment. Um, Mark, what do you think of event hospitality? Uh, well, actually, today it really is a, um, a list of people who've done well in COVID and people who've done badly. Yeah. And they're probably about the worst. <laughs> and their, their earnings dropped 45% uh, last year, but it's actually been down for the last three years. And, you know, and if you think about it, Event cinemas and so on. They, you know, they've, they're virtually. They might as well just. They might as well have just shuttered them. Yeah. Uh, I did actually go to the movies during COVID once in Sydney at Bondi Junction in one of their big cinemas there, and there was eight people in there, and that was at a peak time on the weekend. Yeah. You know, so just burning money is is what that is, uh, and no one was even buying popcorn, which didn't make me inspired to buy any either at about eight dollars <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so look, I totally agree with what Michael said. The, the lows were actually $5.40 in 2020. In, in, um, uh, that would have been the March low, February low, I imagine, in COVID. Um, that was probably, yeah, a good time to buy it because eventually it's going to come back. But if you look at the history over the last 10 years, it's not spectacular. It's been okay, um, but its earnings haven't been growing rapidly or anything. You know, the, the, it was 48 cents back in 2012 and it was 60 cents in 2019 and it sort of bumped up and down in between. So it's not like this has been a, a stock that's had historic consistent growth. But having said that, it is a very complex with lots of hotel chains and all, you know, it's yeah. all sorts of stuff going on there. Wouldn't exactly be an easy thing to manage, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, way too hard. And, and I definitely wouldn't buy it now at 14 because that's literally, as Michael said, what it was trading at before COVID when it had decent earnings, not no earnings. 
yeah. So at the exactly. moment, it's got nowhere near. It's made a loss. It's made a loss yeah. last year. It's got a lot. It's got to come back from all that. And we don't even know whether all that's been expensed yet. You know, there's, you know, there's, you don't know um, how long it's going to actually take them. Assuming we're now out of COVID, let's say, let's be let's be brave, and say yeah. it's basically yeah. nearly all over and, and everything's going to get back to normal. How long will it take them to get back to normal? I would think it'd be a couple of years. Yep. At least. Okay. All right. Let's recap the uh, the first five stocks and our stock of the, the day: a seeker. A no from both Mark and Michael. Computer share, a no from Mark. A hold from uh, Michael. Fisher and Peichel, um, a yes from uh, uh, from Mark. A no from Michael. Katmandu, a no from both. Um, Wee Bit Nano, a no from Mark. And a hold from Michael. And Event Cinema, a no from both. Um, here at The Call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the, uh, the 1st of July. 2020. Uh, let's see how we've been performing for the week. Down 1% for the month, down 5 and 3 quarter percent. Financial year to date up 3% since inception. Uh, the calls portfolio is up 38.5%. Uh, before we get into the uh, next five stocks, um, just to give you an update on the calls portfolio, we're taking it to a, a new level. Coming up next month, we'll be launching. If you like a, a brand new portfolio, a live fund that's high conviction uh, with a much smaller basket of stocks. Um, the first filter, if you like, will be like we always do here on the call. Um, any stocks that get unanimous buy from our panel uh, goes up for consideration into the portfolio. A unanimous sell goes out. Um, that will still apply each day as we go through our 10 stocks. But instead of those stocks going automatically in or out of the portfolio, they'll be referred to an investment committee, which will uh, meet once a month uh, to decide based on that filter, which ones actually do go in and go out. And it'll take into account changing weightings and portfolio construction and things like that. And then we will take you inside the monthly investment committee meeting uh, in an extra episode of the call. Um, to take you inside how the experts think. Um, if they have a problem with a stock uh, and they want to talk to the chief executive, we'll get the chief executive to dial in and answer their questions and you'll be part of it. So keep sending in your request for the current portfolio um, and then we will change it from the 1st of March. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, in this half hour, we're going to take a look at Superloop, Nanosonics, uh, Micro Equities Asset Management, Origin Energy, and Arena REIT number one. All right, um, Jesse wants to view uh, Michael on, on Superloop, the, uh, uh, the big tele telecommunications group. They put in fibre optics and fibre um, yeah. uh, into office buildings and the like. Um, what do you think of them? Um, the, the share price has been pretty pedestrian over over the last um, sort of year and a bit. They've made some acquisitions such as um, you know, they bought Exitel looking to, uh, and in, in November, um, you know, they spoke about trying to, I think, double their, double their earnings and you know, improve their organic growth, et cetera, et cetera. So um, saying all the right things at the moment, uh, you know, the share price ended up going back from about $1.30 to $1. So the market doesn't seem ready to believe that yet it's look it's not a buy from me i think you'd have to you know maybe six some six months from now see what you know see what their latest results are and um you know take it from there but at the moment it just doesn't seem to have the the growth of the share price appreciation okay. to grab my attention uh mark super uh yeah it's been i think this has been very disappointing this company uh, they've only made a profit once in their um, seven years, which was in 2018. They made a, an $8.6 million profit uh, on sales of $122 million. Their sales now are $110 million, so it's gone down for the last three years. 
and then they made a negative $31 million loss last year. In 1920, they lost $41 million. So that's like 40% of sales and 30% of sales they're losing. So for every dollar they bring in, they lose at least 30 cents. So that's pretty woeful. And they also, they've increased their uh, shareholding from 96 million in 2015 to uh, 450 million, which is a four time, over 400% increase in shares outstanding. So that those numbers I gave you were in dollar terms, not in per share. So if you bring it to a per share situation, it's even worse. Yep. So um, there's, there's no way I would touch this company. And it's not actually growing strongly in any way that would give you any uh, pause to say, well, that's all changing now and it's going to be good. It's actually quite quite poor, I think. And the return on equity, by the way, is it's only passed once over 10% in the uh, since listing. It's currently minus seven. Um, so it's just no way. Okay. All right. Um, AJ wants to view Mark on Nanosonics. Um, they uh, sort of disinfect um, in hospitals theatre instruments using uh, ultrasound probes. They have a, a thing called Trophon technology. Um, uh, AJ says uh, they recently announced, um, made an announcement impacting their revenue and costs in the short term that led to a significant price weakness. Is this weakness a good chance to buy for the long term? It's headquartered in Sydney, but offices in the US, Canada, UK and, and Europe. Uh, Mark, Nanosonics? Um, it's, it, it, had, it, was, it, did, it went very well from 2015 to 2017. It had really strong growth and all, look, all looked good and then dropped off very heavily to 18, came back a little bit in 19, then it's been slow sloping down yep. in uh, earnings uh, since then, which is pretty, pretty poor. Um, so they don't seem to be doing a very good job of commercialising um, their uh, product in, and getting growth out of it. So if you look at their sales growth, for instance, um, EPS growth, well, EPS growth has jumped in the last uh, period. So the sales haven't, but their earnings have. So yep. that's, that's encouraging, but usually, when earnings, are, when sales are going down, even if it's slightly, um, and earnings are going up dramatically, it means obviously they're doing something different, but it's not sustainable. You can't just keep increasing your um, yeah. your EPS growth they rate. They did say, didn't they? Um, they were finding it hard to get sales into hospitals because of yeah. COVID yeah. and yeah. things like that. You look at that chart, yeah. and it's back down to that March 2020 plunge, isn't it? Um, it is. That's right. After low. That's right. So it's a long way down from that peak of up around 8.05. Yeah. Well, it's actually, and don't forget, it's also, it's on 165 PE. Wow. At the moment. So, so 165 PE is the only other company I think that's up at that level that I know of is ProMedicus. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, wow. and ProMedicus has got a much more consistent growth rate and their model seems to be far more sustainable. So right. I can't, I, I don't, it's, it's, it is a it is a business. We're showing a very big disparity between the margin of safety numbers and the potential numbers. So, and I think that's a representation of the percentage of unknowns here in in this. Okay. So, uh, it, it doesn't pass our filters. The return on equity is only six percent. So, we're, we wouldn't we wouldn't consider it anyway. So, I really can't say much more about it. So, okay. I'll hand over to Mike. Yep, Michael. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be avoiding this one at the moment. So, my understanding is with the recent announcement, also they. Um, they had an agreement with GE to sell their products, and and they've, I think what they've done is brought forward um, an agreement for Nanosonics to go ahead and um, and do their own selling, not oh. necessarily via GE. Okay, that's yeah. that's my understanding so of is it. That that's a good not a stock thing, hold. Well, it, it'd be a negative thing, I, I would think, oh. in that yeah. that you've you've got a company that's been struggling to grow sales, and now they're on their own. They don't have GE right in their corner. They um, yeah, they need to. Obviously, uncertainty. So you've got, as Mark mentioned, a, a business that operates, well, that trades at a, an extremely high PE. Um, it should be firing on all cylinders if if it's going to trade on a on a level of, like that. But instead, yep. um, you know, sales haven't been great. They've just put a downgrade in. Um, there's been this issue with this this agreement with GE. Um, so I'd say that, yeah, massive levels of uncertainty on a very expensive stock is, is not where you want to be. Um, you know, you get, you get a bad share price reaction on what looked like bad news 
that all makes sense. That's not yeah. an opportunity. Yeah. So yeah. if you're looking for some sort of announcement um, where there's an opportunity to buy, I'd wait maybe in a year from now, maybe mm. whenever it is, where you get a very bad-looking announcement, but the share price pops, then that'll yep. tell you that, that everything's, right. you know, uh, okay at that level everything's priced in but here it's it's telling me there's probably further pain ahead okay uh mark luke wants a view on micro equities asset management this is a sort of boutique fund manager that runs funds that invests in in micro cap stocks and small cap stocks um luke says uh i bought at 85 cents and have topped up each time it's fallen back to 85 uh, Mark Morland and Scott Phillips said although the results were good, they couldn't recommend it for a couple of reasons. This was um, last six months ago. One was liquidity, another, another was not much of a track record. Uh, but with the latest results, um, which seemed pretty good, do all the metrics look better now? And it paid an interim dividend of 7 or 8%. Yeah. Would you change yeah. your uh, mind? <clears throat> Um, well, no, I think what I said was right at the time. It yeah. now actually has, it's in its fifth year now of earnings. Now, bear in mind, the funds management industry is a cyclical industry. Yeah. So we've had a very good run over the last few years with Magellan and you know, most Pinnacle, for instance, they've all done yeah. really, really well. These guys have done well as well, and their numbers actually look quite good. So right now, because they've got five years, they would pass our filters, but it's only 120 million uh, market cap, so it's quite small. And that would be a bit small for us. You know, so yep. it's not going to get up on our radar uh, at this stage. It's still a bit too small. But looking at all the numbers, they're actually quite good. And we've got it returning about 20% if they can maintain their current EPS growth rate, which is actually running at 38%. And I think that would be a bit of a heroic assumption to assume that. Right. Because they've had a big lift between 2021, which means the companies they were in have all done really well in the yep. last year, which is not surprising, by the way, because I looked at their philosophy of how they invest and it's quite similar to us you know they're yeah. they're not trying to they're not trying to trade they're trying to build long-term positions in quality growth companies with trustworthy management and good financial yeah. metrics and so on so similar same sort of thing we do so um and they've had a really really good year through uh, last year of COVID, which we did as well so i'm not surprised yeah. so you'd have to discount that you know obviously down because we're going into uncharted territory and definitely tougher times than we've been in I would think. Now, by yep. the way, the market could uh, could double again from here. It's not in the, in the next year or two. It's not impossible. Or on the other hand, it could be lower. You know, I have no idea. Um, so I think I think it actually looks pretty good. It's on a P of eight at the moment, which is cheap. And as as the uh, viewer pointed out, they've paid a seven percent interim dividend, and they, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to do the full year on you know something similar. So um, I'd say it looks pretty good. Okay. All right. Uh, so a buy on your filters? I'll say it's a buy as long as you don't mind yep. the liquidity issue, which yep. means you know, how much is being sure. traded each day. Michael, could, I don't follow that yep. sort of thing. So yep. I just suspect it wouldn't be much. Um, yeah, look, on, on that measure, I'd actually say no. I'm sorry, Mark, um, because on the way no, to no, the don't show... don't apologise to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we almost got two buys on the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a look on the way here and... The, the dollar value traded so far by about midday was about 10 grand. Right. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So yeah. Unless, unless you're well, going in and buying, you know, even $1,000 worth, that's still 10% of everything traded in the whole Australian market so yeah. far today. So, you know, we, we have to, their, their results might have been great, but we have to remember, um, you know, if you're looking to make money, it's the difference between what you sell it at and what you buy it at. So. Yeah. Um, a lot of these uh, investment companies, they might, might not necessarily trade at the right values, but again, that doesn't matter if you can't sell it at the value mm. that you think it should be, because you're okay. just going to get whatever you can get on market. And at the moment, with its liquidity, you're probably not going to get what you should be getting. So sure. at the end, the end result is you don't make that much. And when I pulled up the chart um, of this over the last six months, it didn't look too different to what the ASX has done anyway. So. Um, yep. I think if you're looking for these type of companies on the market to invest in, I'd avoid this one. Again, unfortunately for them, you know, just liquidity. You just yep. you just can't put yourself in that small. position where you can't Need get, to get bigger. All right, Joseph wants a view, Michael, on Origin Energy, the uh, the big gas electricity generator, um, in um, also the retail market as well. What do you think of Origin? Um, 
I've generally avoided um, utilities, especially now with, with rising rates. You know, the very very general um, as, as a very general comment, they tend to not outperform. But Origin's got some tailwinds at the moment with the right. rising oil price, mm. gas prices, electricity prices. So it seems to be benefiting from from all of that. Um, again, I. If I'm trying to benefit from those things, I've been trading some of the pure plays like Woodside or, or oh. Beach. I'd, I'd still prefer to avoid the utilities, but it's trading well. I'd be happy with it as a hold. It is starting to come up to a, a little peak there uh, around 650. So we might see a little bit of selling come in shortly, um, but, but look, happy as, as a hold because right. of the, the, the current momentum and tailwinds in the sure. business. Okay. Uh, Mark, Origin? Um, yeah, well, uh, we, it, we, we haven't been big on uh, energy stocks and utilities because they, they're very uh, politicised. And we've also, being in gas, gas is being under the, under the hammer at the moment in Australia with um, um, a, a lot of the uh, political environment on pushing green energy and so on. And gas is perceived to be bad, which is ridiculous, but anyway, in my view. Um, so Origin has a chance potentially to do quite well over the next five or ten years because I think the reality is, and it will will dawn on our political masters, that you know, the uh, variable uh, energy produced by wind and solar is not going to carry the day. We need reliable baseload energy, and if we can't talk about nuclear, then the next best thing is gas. Yep. So um, yep. gas is going to become a big deal. So whether Origin will be able to capitalise on, on that, who knows? Um, at the moment, they, they made a loss last year. The share price is sort of down, but I don't know how you'd, I, I couldn't possibly put a number on it to say what you should buy it for if you wanted to buy it or whether you should hold it or not. Uh, it's down about half of what it was a few years ago, uh, the share price. Um, it, 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 you know, it's not like it's going to go away. They're in, a, they're in a critical infrastructure area, but there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of them are very negative, you know, from the right. point of view of giving them the ability to make money. So can they convert uh, rising gas prices, which are happening big time in Europe and all over the place? And I suspect that'll continue, by the way, because a lot of exploration's been shut down. Like in Australia, I think they made it illegal, didn't they, to even explore for gas mm. in yeah. uh, Victoria and places like that? You know, it's totally absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so in other words, if you start throttling new supply, what happens is existing supply um, um, prices go up because yep. consumption is going up. Yep. Same with coal. Coal consumption's going up, well, I think we went up 20% last year, yep. you know, globally. So, so much for... Um, uh, you know, Germany closing nuclear power stations down, and they're, they're importing coal and ma mainly gas, yeah, of course. And yeah. the gas prices uh, quadrupled, I think, in uh, Germany. Yep. So it's a and big mess. Yeah, yeah. It's a big mess. That's but I think that's got to be good news for gas producers at some point. But I don't know how you would invest in it. Yep. Well, the Ukraine might have a, have a, uh, uh, right. a big say in that as well, because that's where the pipeline from Russia goes. Yeah, is that. Um, and our final stock is a REIT, Mark. Mitch wants a view on Arena REIT number one, predominantly invests in childcare, healthcare, um, government tenanted, uh, tenanted properties, has a whale weighted average lease expiry of around 14 years. Um, mm. How does Arena stack up as a REIT? Well, it's not. I'll just say initially that we don't do REITs in right. Team Invest. Um, the, there's a few reasons. One is that um, they are very difficult to really know what goes on inside because they they have the often they have their uh, portfolio companies in in syndicates or with other share other partners and so on. So you really don't know what the debt is. Mm. It's a very hard. They're not exactly transparent. And the other thing we don't like about them is they'll. They can revalue the real estate and then that flows through into profits even though it doesn't actually create a profit you know, in other words yeah. you're saying the value of the properties go up therefore shareholders are receiving a benefit which to, yeah. yeah to me yeah. It's, so, it's legal it's what they do but but it is um, weird yeah. because other companies it goes on your balance sheet doesn't go on your p and l does right. it uh mm -hmm. it's and some of the infrastructure yep. plays are like that as well <clears throat> that's right so you, you really need to get into cash flow as well yeah. which is difficult yeah. Um, and it's not easy to work cash flow out on these uh, on these companies, even if you if you've got the wherewithal and the know-how to do it. It's not not easy because cash at least gives you a much clearer picture of what's really going on rather than theoretical values. Now the other side of it is that we've got um, we've had a massive real estate boom in all areas, on the commercial and as well, and uh, the valuations are going up. So I have no idea how much of that is portrayed in their returns at the moment. Right. And of course, right. it always it can go into reverse because if we have a 
a significant drop in asset values, the capitalization rate, which is how the valuations are done, goes into reverse. Yep. So, so it then goes in as losses. So it's not. It actually looks good on the numbers. You know, so I won't say it looks bad. It's. Uh, it's, we, I can tell you from what it's returning on our models. Uh, um, actually, no, I won't because it hasn't have enough. Doesn't have enough data. Okay. <laughs> so I can't. Right. I can't tell you that. All right. Um, so about, not view or a hold. I, I don't, I'm, I'm a pass. Okay. Michael. Um, I mean, there's a few. There's actually quite a few things about this business to like, um, apart from the the share price performance. Uh, yeah. I mean, the area that it's in is quite quite resilient there. Um, in some respects, uh, resilient to inflation as well, because over 75% of their leases uh, are able to increase every year with either CPI or 3%, whatever's, whatever's greater. So, um, and, and recently they, they increased their guidance. So um, a number of positives there. The, the REIT that, our favourite REIT's always been Goodman Group, but we yep. did sell out of that one um, at the start of the year. Uh, this one's actually held up a bit better than Goodman Group over the last few weeks. But one of the main reasons is because everything with rates and, and valuations, it just, to me, there seems to be a lot of downside risk potentially over the next few months. So mm. although this okay. business, I guess, in some ways ticks a lot of boxes um, in that REIT sector, uh, I think just the, the headwinds as, you yeah. know, as you know, valuations, as Mark mentioned, and, and what's happening with rates would just make me a bit too cautious to to okay. step in when it's very close to an all-time high. Okay, all right, a bit of pressure on the REIT market. Let's uh, recap the uh, the final five stocks. Superloop, a no from both. Nanosonic, a no. Um, Macquarie, uh, or micro equities, not Macquarie, micro equities. Um, if, if you can, if you're happy to accept the illiquidity, um, it looks quite good in Mark's view, but it is a liquid and too small for Team Invest. Uh, a no from uh, from Michael on the on the liquidity part of it. Uh, origin a hold from Michael. A no from Mark, and the Arena REIT uh, a no from Michael. Uh, that's it uh, for us for today. Mark Morland from Team Invest. Thank you so much for joining us. Always great to have you aboard. You're most welcome. Great to see you. Thanks, Michael. Thank thanks, uh, Thanks, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Uh, likewise, good to see thanks. you. Thanks, see you next thanks, time. Mark. Uh, if you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover here on the call, put them in an email, thecall.ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle or you can see all the stocks in the calls portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.